1: Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have my esteemed host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, also on the show, and she'll join us in just a minute. And Kathy and I are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we want to welcome you to our new season here. Um, today, we're very excited about talking with Dr. Steven Stein about the EQ advances. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the EQI and we highlighted where Steve Jobs was. And, and Dr. Stein has co-authored numerous books around uh, emotional intelligence, and one was Dr. Howard's uh, book, the international bestseller, The EQ stands for Emotional Quotient Edge, Emotional Intelligence and Your Success, and this is by with Jazzy Bath, and is also the uh, author of Emotional Intelligence for Dummies by uh, Wiley. And he's also done Make Your Workplace Great, The Seven Keys to Emotional Intelligence Organization, uh, we're going to zero in on that because both Kathy and I talk a lot about emotional intelligence, but we want to really pick Steve's brain about an emotionally intelligent organization. He's also co-authored an assessment, the Emotional Intelligence Skills Assessment, and related materials with Derek Mann, uh, Peter Papa Giannis, and Wendy Gordon. And he's a leading uh, expert on the psychological assessment and, emo- and emotional intelligence. He has consulted to the military and government agencies, and then including the Canadian Forces, U.S. Air Force, Army, Navy, and special units of the Pentagon and the FBI Academy, as well as corporate organizations, American Express, Air Canada, Canyon Ranch, Coca-Cola, the Canadian Imperial Bank of Canada, professional sports teams, and a variety of reality TV shows. We'll have to get him to talk a little bit about that. He's also appeared on over 100 TV and radio shows through Canada, uh, and in, in the U.S., and his work has been featured in numerous newspapers, magazines, and blogs. He's also a uh, the CEO of MHS.com, which is Mental Health Systems, which uh, puts out the EQI and then, I think, hundreds of other assessments. We'll get him a, to talk about that, so he's a, aside from an EI expert, he's a working CEO. And... Let me tell you about Kathy Greenberg, and we'll bring her on. Dr. Kathy Greenberg coaches leading executives and entire companies on her proven happiness equals profit. Kathy has authored multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, her latest number one bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know, and she's touched millions of lives as a speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. She's the founder of the renowned executive consultancy called H2C Leadership, Happy Companies, Healthy companies. She currently offers friendly tips and tools to be your best at work and at home on ABC's The Morning Blend. She also has a TV web show called Your Happiness Now. And Kathy also has a new iPhone app, which uh, I'm a part of and if we've got other people to be a part of, Your Happiness Now. And that's going to be available hopefully in the near future. Her website is www.h2cleadership.com. There's downloads there and and assessments. And also, Kathy and I share a website, www.excelinstitute.com, if you want more information about some of these subjects we have on this program. Kathy, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Riley. I'm very excited to talk to uh, Dr. Steve Stein today because uh, I uh, started using uh, this uh, emotional intelligence tool, the EQI 2.0, back uh, in uh, the late summer, and I've been using it uh, quite a bit and I've done quite a few of these assessments and uh, just learning a world uh, of... um, I just want to say goodness about well-being and how you can increase your emotional intelligence in just three to six months if you get the right tool like the EQI 2.0 and you get the right feedback from people who are certified in the tool like ourselves. And I want to make sure that everybody knows who you are and what you do. I know we've been on the air now for three years. We're going into a whole new season with a lot of exciting new shows, but um, I want to remind everybody that Dr. Raleigh Nadler, my co-host on this show, Leadership Development News, is a master level certified executive coach he is a psychologist he is a corporate leadership and team trainer and he is one of the most practical coaches i've ever worked with dr nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and development programs for sure. And Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides you with hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries, including yourself. His highly respected work, of course, is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs have become a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. You know, you can visit him at truenorthleadership.com for free emotional intelligence downloads, including his iPhone app, and many, many downloads from great ideas from his book that will help you increase your performance through emotional intelligence and very practical tools and tips, which we love to provide for you in each and every show. And one of the reasons why we do that is because we know that by doing just a few things differently in your company every day, you can increase the life satisfaction and performance of those around you and yourself, Riley. Maybe we should just mention a few key points about why yeah. leadership development news is so important, uh, more than ever before. Especially given the given you know the challenges we have and given the challenging times we're living in.
2: Well, we're at this uh, converging intersection of what's what we like to call a historic leadership chaos. A lot of things are all happening at the same time, that's creating a brain drain across industries. Brain drain. So we're losing brains and we're losing uh, people. America has lost over 6 million jobs because of the Great Recession as, number one, brain drain. Number two, we have all the baby boomers. You know, every day, thousands of baby boomers are retiring. And number three, the Gen X, Gen Y, who are moving into these leadership roles have a little less emotional intelligence, and they will see what if Steve has some feedback about that, um, mostly because these generations are spending more time um, in front of a computer and technology and less face time. And so for hour for hour, there's less time dealing with your emotions and trying to change and being adaptable and flexible, some of the EI competencies we know about. And the other reason that we really like to give you these tips is the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team. And how you feel, that's how they end up feeling. We know a lot from brain neuroscience, you know, that emotions are contagious. And one of the key ways of getting into being a top performer, a star performer, exceeding expectations, top 10%, is this whole world of emotional intelligence that we're going to explore further today. And one of the things that's so exciting is this idea of well-being and happiness that we explore is something that you can do something about. So, Kathy, maybe before we bring Steve on, I'll just highlight this the set point idea.
3: You know, we talk a lot about resilience, uh, emotional intelligence, and the science of happiness uh, in each and every one of our shows in a different way. And one of the things that we know in the science of happiness is that we do have a set point that does Well, if you will, kind of um, uh, incorporate for us our ability to stretch our happiness and to be happier, optimistic, more resilient. Now, you know, there is as little as 40% of this set point in some of us, and certainly as much as uh, 80 to 90% in others. And we love to hang around those people that Raleigh and I call energy umpires. Those are the people that have more. And we really try to avoid those people in our lives who are the energy vampires who have less. But you can increase that set point by doing, as I said, a few things differently. And one of them is learning a little bit about your own emotional intelligence every day by learning about yourself in different situations. And one of the things that Raleigh and I both know is so important to you and your life satisfaction is that we know that this set point for happiness is tied to your performance and job satisfaction. These are closely tied to your happiness by more than 93%. So, leaders. You know, you are in for some big surprises if you don't focus on resilience and emotional intelligence. And, Relly, maybe you could talk a little bit more about some of the solutions that we know have worked and will continue to work in the new economy, hopefully, which is on its way, and about drain, um, you know, the, the draining the brain process that we call the brain drain you've just described. But how can we, in fact, feed the brain and get it to gain? More action and performance in the new year.
2: Well, and there's a lot of things we're gonna we'll get Steve to kind of highlight that, especially when we talk about emotional uh, intelligence in organizations. But really, understanding yourself, managing yourself, understanding others, managing others. Some of the tools that lead in that emotional intelligence leads into, um, knowing your strengths and weaknesses. The E.Q.I. is a great starter for knowing where you're at. And the assessment has also some really good strategic actions. And um, let me say a little bit more about Steve, and then we're going to jump right in there. So what I didn't mention in the, in the first intro is that he's a clinical psychologist. He's CEO of MHS. It is a leading international test uh, publishing company. He's the previous chair of the Psychology Foundation of Canada, past president of the Ontario Psychological Association, and also a fellow of the Canadian Psychological Association. Steve Stein is a former assistant professor at the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Toronto and was an adjunct professor uh, in the Department of Psychology at York University in toronto he's a prolific presenter and also prolific writer and has shared information on emotional intelligence with great audiences throughout canada united states mexico europe australia asia and he can be reached at ceo at mhs.org so steve welcome to the show
4: hey it's great to be with you and have this uh, great conversation with you today
3: well we're also proud to say that at the excel institute steve we are uh the, I want to say, biggest fans of this EQI 2.0, and I know the EQI is just one of, as Relly was saying, many, many tools that you have at MHS, and hopefully during the show today you can talk about uh, the experiences you've had across many of these organizations that we've talked about, including the military, and uh, how you've come up with, uh, with this tool and how you have... Kept you know, how you keep making it better and better. So that would be great. But one of the things I'd love to um, have you share with our audience, if you're comfortable, is what leaders or people have influenced you in your work to date?
4: Sure. Um, Well, you know, as as Relly mentioned, I started out as a psychologist. That was my, I guess, first career, and I continue to do some work in that area. So a lot of my early influences were um, people in psychology, particularly I worked in uh, cognitive behavior therapy, so some of the names in there would be people like Don Mikenbaum, Albert Ellis, um, a whole slew of people there. And, and what that grounded me in a lot of was the whole need for getting evidence for what you're doing, this whole mm-hmm. evidence-based assessment, evidence-based treatment. But then I transitioned uh, a number of years ago, almost 38, 30 years ago, into the, the business realm. And that was a whole new world because a psychologist, you know, you don't know a whole lot about business. It was yeah. like getting your MBA on the, in, on the street, uh, School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> so, so there I had a number of, uh, I was fortunate to have a number of influences on the business side, uh, including some family members who were quite successful in business. And other people, uh, you know, reading people like Jim Collins and uh, others who have studied business and leadership really helped me learn a lot more about that area.
2: So what's what's interesting? I'm just because I've used the, the tools in MHS, um, and how that started, you know, 30 years ago. You know, how you went from a psychologist to all of a sudden say, hey, maybe I should put together all these assessments and and have a company. Well, it was oh. interesting. Yeah, it was interesting.
4: I started out uh, doing a lot of research, clinical research, and particularly in those days, I was working with uh, difficult adolescents, kids who were in trouble. Uh-huh. I've been there. Uh, yeah, you remember that stuff? Oh, well, yeah. Emotional troubles, troubles with the law. Yeah, And uh I was doing some rather large research studies looking at different treatments, but part of the research was assessing the kids to find out where they were at, the baseline, before you do the treatment. And in those days, these kids weren't too willing to be tested for baseline. In fact, they would throw the test at me and tell me where to go with them. So <laughs> it, we had some difficult times. But then uh, that's around the time that the Apple, the first Apple computers came out, the original Apple IIs. Uh-huh. And I noticed that these kids were really into these computers. So I thought, hey, what if we put some of these tests that we're doing on one of these computers? Wow. And and that's uh, that's what we did. We were among the first ones to do that, and we got some amazing results. All of a sudden, these kids wanted to be tested. They came to my office lining up to try these new things, these new computerized tests that we had. So I thought, wow, this is pretty interesting. And uh, I thought I would go to the, the hospital I was working for and, and say, hey, we should really focus on this. And they said, well, we're not really interested in assessments. We're interested in treatment. So I said, well, maybe at nighttime on my own, I'll do the assessment part, and in the daytime, we'll focus on the treatment part. Uh huh. Well, my nights got longer and longer and longer because um, we commercialized some of the work we were doing on the testing side, and it just started to take off beyond our expectations.
2: That's That's amazing. That's great. You know, I think um, we're going to go to our first break, and what I'd love to hear is kind of how you hooked up with Ruben Baron and the EQI. Mm -hmm. So um, this is Leadership Development News. And um, stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
3: To Leadership Development News, we're having a conversation with Dr. Steve Stein, who is the CEO of MHS at MHS.com. And I want to make sure that we um, give out all the uh, correct information to contact you, Steve. And I believe it's CEO at MHS.org.
4: No, it's MHS.com. Okay,
3: (laughs) terrific. And uh, I want to also... I'll come back to a question that Relly asked you right before our break, and that is how you got together with Baron to, uh, to create this uh, EQI tool that has now evolved into this fascinating approach to uh, emotional intelligence, which I love, which is the EQI 2.0. That's
4: great. Sure. Back in the early 90s, um, I was doing some work uh, and giving a lecture, actually, some presentations in Israel on using computers for assessment. And I met Ruben at this conference, and he had told me how he had developed the scale. It was his dissertation. Uh, and looking at, you know, the flip side of people, we had spent, as psychologists, we looked a lot at what's wrong with people. but right. trying to look at what's right with people. You know, why do some people become more successful than others, especially when you don't predict it, or we haven't been predicting it very well. So he had uh, had presented me with uh, an early version of the EQI that he had been working on, and he told me that he tried to get it published with a number of publishers uh, in the U.S., but they basically all rejected it. I thought it was a really interesting idea, interesting concept, and uh, we decided to publish it and work with Reuven and uh, got it going. We created the, the North American Norms and... Did some additional research studies to validate it, and then commercialized it around 1995.
3: Now, this tool that you have been using um, on emotional intelligence is really, from what I understand, uh, probably one of the most preeminent tools in the industry because of the science behind it. Can you can you comment a little bit about um, you know how how long you have been Interested in emotional intelligence and how you uh, you know how you plan to evolve the EQI at MHS um, as you go forward in your business plans?
4: Sure. Well, in terms of the tool itself, um, as I mentioned, Reuben had started developing it as his dissertation, and that was in the '80s, in the early to mid '80s. So it was it had a jump on anything else in this area because nobody out there really heard about emotional intelligence until Dan Goleman's book came out in 1995. So we already had a tool when that happened and his book went out and sold whatever 5 million copies so we really had a jump start my interest turned into this area because as uh, as i mentioned earlier a lot of my work had been on what's wrong with people so I had you know kids with problems you know we did one of the, the most widely used scales in attention deficit or attention deficit disorder ADD the Conner's rating scales and we work with depression and schizophrenia and all these other areas. So this is our first chance to get into really what's right mm. with people, with the emotional intelligence area.
2: And, you know, we've had Reuven on our show. And so um, it was 10 years then because he coined the term, he said, EQ in, in 85. And I guess that's when he did his dissertation. So you, so you first carried it in 95. We published in 95. Well, Nin- I met him in the
4: early 90s. So I got it. Uh, huh. So that's, yeah, and he had the, the EQ was in his
2: dissertation, that concept, right. that idea. Well, yeah. so you, you must have loved it when you saw Goldman's book come out. What, what perfect timing. Cause yeah, it was incredible. It came out in 95.
4: Exactly. It was just an incredible surprise that uh, this book comes out and it's talking about all these concepts. Although in the original copy of the book, I think Goldman said there is no test although I believe he was aware of Reuben's test at that time. I'm not sure why it didn't get a mention in the first edition. Yeah. Uh, but he did mention it, I think, in the next printing that came after that.
3: You know, one of the things that I, I know is very uh, compelling, uh, and, Raleigh, I'm sure you've found this with the executives you've worked with as well, is uh, the folks that are interested in their own personal development, you know, they can't get enough. Uh, reading material on the subject and the thing that inspires me the most and I think that inspires leaders that I'm working with in the use of this tool is that it can show demonstrable change in emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. in a very short period of time and this gives people hope and it gives people the resilience and the optimism required to keep going when times are tough do you do you feel similarly about that
4: yeah, I think the awareness is amazing. You know, when people actually see it in front of them on their colored printout, with you know sometimes with numbers attached to it, it really shakes them, and and they get they they some of them zero in on those lower scores, even though we try and start off with their strengths, and, and they really want to know, you know, what is it? You know, why right. I thought I was really empathic? You know, why am I scoring yeah. down here? So, you know, it's great that you're able to, to work with them and feed them and get those changes. But once you've got them motivated by seeing where they score, um, you've got great work ahead of you in, in making that change.
2: Well, I think uh, Kathy and I, we, we love using what uh, what Marshall Goldsmith says about a lot of the, these assessments. And I think it's like a uh, getting a physical exam. You get, you know, your cholesterols at this rate, your triglycerides are at this rate. So it really is then for us becomes a great tool, the EQI for, for coaching. So let me ask you this, Dave, just because I, exactly like you're saying, I, I've been saying that the EQI, it's more of a state than a trait because sometimes people really do get low scores and it's, and it's surprising for some of them, like you said, and then they kind of zero in and then they're uncomfortable. Um, but it's, and I've been describing it lately as it's just highly sensitive to what's going on with you now, which are emotions, day in and day out. But how would you describe that?
4: Yeah, it's somewhere between a state and a trait. I don't see it really as either one because it is changeable, uh, but it won't change like in a minute or a day unless, uh, you know, something significant happens. You lose a loved one or separate or divorce. So, you know, major life changes will, will make significant changes. But, you know, other than that, it will take you a few weeks or whatever to get real change.
2: Yeah.
3: And, you know, what is real change, though, right? I mean, some people can um, can just be, as you said, made aware of something that they do that can be changed very quickly if they pay attention. It's kind of like biting your nails. <laughs> yeah. It may be um, something that has become such a part of your behavior you don't even know you do it. But if somebody points it out to you, uh, you make an effort, you know, and I think that's what's most important here.
4: Yeah, it really is. And I like that you pointed out, Kathy, optimism, because that's one of the ones you really see that happen. And I remember I did a presentation to one group of business people, and someone came in who was actually retired from the company, uh, someone who was um, in his late 70s. And, you know, this thing twigged him when he heard about this optimism. It just, you know, it sent him for a tailspin. He didn't realize, and people had identified him as being pretty pessimistic in his role in the company for many years.
3: Yeah, he was a happy curmudgeon.
4: Yeah, and this was like an aha moment for him, and he really, he wanted to read more about it, learn more about it. He didn't understand how his, his pessimistic attitude affected all those people around him.
2: Well, that goes back to this, you know, emotions are contagious, and and as we were looking at, at this, you know, and we got a lot of questions we get asked, the one that I that I thought would be interesting is, is there an example of how you use your EQI daily as a CEO, and then we'll get more into kind of emotional intelligence and the work you've done with other other folks? Sure. Uh, you know, we
4: we live and breathe emotional intelligence here at MHS, uh-huh. and uh, everything from uh, you know little things to big things. I mean, I'm, I'm walking around every day talking to people. Like we, all of our senior executives show their face on the floor to everybody. We have regular town halls where we inform everybody about what's going on in the organization, where we stand financially, the goods, the bads. All that stuff. We keep people in the loop and we give everybody accountability. Everybody's accountable for their area and what they do. And and we show that not just in terms of emotionally, are they accountable, but financially. They get bonus based on their ability to meet their um, objectives. We stress our mission. We're really big on our mission. And it's a general mission where, you know, we believe what we're doing is important work. And we talk about improving the quality of life of people everywhere, worldwide. And We stress that in everything we do, like whether it's on the EI side or our clinical side or we have a high-risk side, a correctional public safety side, and everybody in our organization has to relate what they do on a day-to-day basis to making the world a better place and helping people around the world. Boy, Um, that's a
3: very compelling mission, and I think sometimes we forget. We've had a couple shows recently talking about how people can really change the world around them by changing small things about themselves and uh, well you've, you've just said a lot that can really compel people to want to look more at their emotional intelligence and understand exactly how they're impacting people around them
4: absolutely
2: so let's talk about a couple things so with the new EQI what are you most excited about, and then we'll talk about some of the work you've done. So, what what are you most excited about with this one? I know Kathy and I are excited about it for the reasons we stated, but how about for yourself? Well, there's so many things that that get me
4: excited about the new EQI. One yeah. is the new reports. The reports are just dynamite in terms of the way they look, the way yeah. they present the data. I'm excited about the new norms, uh, the data that we've collected. It's you know a lot of People put tests out there, and, and, you know, they create them in 10 minutes, and they think they've got a test that measures something. But we're really believers in the research aspect of things. So we've tested over 4,000 people stratified to the U.S. Census. So you know that when you're using the EQI, it's really standardized against the population, and you know how your whoever you're testing compares to everyone out there. That's important to us, and I'm really excited to see the the new norms that we've got in terms of including all the minority groups that we need to include mm-hmm. and showing how uh e q is a, an equalizer really when we look at people's whether whether you're um, hispanic whether you're african american your eq scores are are really stand on their own, I mean we don't differentiate between uh the cultural groups they're really equivalent yeah and I also were excited about the well-being indicator, which shows your scores in comparison to other scores they should be in balance with. We're really, this version is really about balance. It's not just about scoring high in emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's about the balance between your different scores.
2: Well, and that's the part, you know, I think is as, as emotional intelligence and uh, moves, it's looking at the influence, and there's a lot been written just recently, of, you know, about the interactive effect. Uh, Zenger and Folkman have some articles you know about one competency and how it affect the others, but for each in in the report, you know there is the balancing your your e i where I think that's a, a very interesting is how does one competency influence another, and so there is that piece where you've kind of uh, looked at what balances another. Let me ask you just about that how did that come about because had you had you figure out you know what does problem solving connect with you know versus empathy and you know how did that come about well, yeah, we started out
4: uh, looking at it empirically by the research, which are the highest correlations with each other. Oh, okay. And then we looked at it rationally in terms of what makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So people, someone might be really high self-regard, think well of themselves or think highly of themselves, but low in self-actualization. They're not achieving very much. So, you know, that's a disconnect that's worth
2: exploring. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, we've got plenty to talk about. So we're going to go to the next break, and we're talking with Dr. Steve Stein. Uh, about the EQI and his uh, MHS.com organization. So we'll be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
3: Development News, you're listening to a fascinating conversation with Dr. Steve Stein, and we're talking about uh, not only the history of the EQI 2.0, but the inception, if you will, of the school and the thought of assessment around emotional intelligence. So, um, uh, Dr. Stein, uh, if I may address you as so, as we come back from this break, I'd love you to talk about your work with organizations such as the military. As you know, I have a sweet spot for working with the military. In fact, this year I'll be returning to the U.S. Army War College in Carlisle to work on their strategic decision-making exercises, and I've done some work this year with uh, the Navy and – uh, just an interesting tidbit from me, uh, I held a program uh, for a group of people at the Navy. Um, these were uh, special operations folks. I can't say anything more than that. But it was fascinating. I put out this um, uh, invitation to come to an emotional intelligence training and only half the group showed up and I found out later from their commanding officer that they were afraid of the word emotional intelligence and we just should have called it leadership development they all would have showed what's all that about so Steve I guess I shouldn't use the word they were afraid of emotional intelligence what I really should say is because these guys don't fear a lot they were uncomfortable with the word emotional intelligence, is though we were going to inventory them or find out if they had any. But, of course, you and I know that has nothing to do with what we are actually trying to incorporate into teaching people about emotional intelligence.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, um, having worked with the military, I've had some similar experiences to yours. Uh, one group I work with, uh, I was flown onto the aircraft carrier of the USS George Washington and had an opportunity to test uh, some of their pilots, a number of them who were Top Gun pilots on that aircraft carrier. And, uh, again, I, was, I, I had to invite them to uh, take a test of emotional intelligence, and here I was in the ready room uh, trying to make a pitch for this. And at first there wasn't a lot of interest in this, but when I started to get in a little more about what this really was,
3: right. common right.
4: sense, people who maybe aren't that well-educated but do really well in life, uh, suddenly, I got everybody's participation, and I actually got them all to take the EQI. and We profiled a group of Top Gun pilots. You, but, you uh, did good. Uh, other groups that uh, our, our larger work with the military, though, was involved uh, the U.S. Air Force, where they had called us regarding um, uh, it was a lot of turnover they were having with their recruiting recruiters, and they just had a hunch that emotional intelligence may be helpful in understanding this. Uh, we don't have time to go into the whole story here, but the bottom line was, through our research with them, it was the first star performer that we that was ever done with the EQUI. And what we learned was that it was emotional intelligence that made a difference. And we were able to increase uh, their retention. They were losing fifty percent of people in that position at the time, and we increased their retention to ninety-two percent. Wow. And they they calculated a saving of 1.7 million dollars in the first year of that project.
2: That
3: is amazing. So, you know, there were immediate uh examples there of Absolutely. both financial and performance follow-up that occurred very shortly.
2: Yeah. So so with that Steve, if you can say what like what were some of the lower lower scores and because that 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 study's been out for about 10 years. Right. And what we found
4: was in order to be successful in that that Um, line of work, you have to be high in assertiveness, Uh emotional self-awareness, you have to be a good problem solver, and you have to be good at reality testing, really reading the situation in front of you, and knowing whether you're going to keep trying to recruit people who aren't interested, where you can get a quick reading and move on to the next person who might be a more likely uh, prospect. So but not only but the, what was great about the Air Force is they didn't just accept the fact that you know some we could predict who was going to be a high performer and who was going to be a low performer, they were interested in actually training for these skills and they actually set up a training program in areas like empathy, which is another real important one in this area, uh, and assertiveness, so that people who they really wanted to succeed, if they excelled in these courses they'd have a much better chance of succeeding.
2: Well, that empathy one, and I'm working with an organization where we were doing a similar thing, and that that does seem. I don't know if you if the norms are lower for empathy um, that you've seen. You can comment on that, but it also I'd be interested in just kind of the ways to go about that. I think for you and I, both trained as a psychologist. Um, you know, I remember in part of my training for almost uh, a month of seeing clients, I could never ask a question, and we're behind a one-way mirror, and I had to just be with the person. Mm-hmm. And part of that was reflecting back without trying to direct anything and uh, having your whole class behind you taking notes and said, oh, you asked a question, you know, it was, was an amazing training and to just kind of be there and work on that empathy. What are some of the best ways that you found that people improve empathy?
4: Well, that's good. That's one. But when we get them to ask sort of excavating questions, uh, we get them in situations with someone where they have to discover something about them, you know, discover how they feel about a certain mm. issue or how they felt about a character in a movie or, you know, to really learn how to dig their and to pay attention to both verbal and nonverbal cues. So someone may say, oh, yeah, I liked it a lot. But when you look at their face, you know that they didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. So teaching them how to read these different cues, put it all together, and then ask the right question to get uh, what's really going on with the individual.
3: Well, you know, and that's the thing that I love about how the tool is laid out, especially for the person who's doing the coaching for the person who's been assessed because uh, it, it gives you some very specific ways, of handling the conversation, of asking optimistically focused, positive, resilient, creating questions for the person who has to learn about themselves. So you make it easier for them to learn and to want to learn because you're using a very positive approach to getting them to see some things that aren't so positive about how they act or behave.
4: Exactly. And that breaks down the resistance that you mentioned when you were dealing with the military groups. Once they learn what it really is and what it's about, it doesn't hurt at all. It's not like pulling your teeth out.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not uh three nights of uh staying up and uh, you know, uh having to uh, if you will uh climb ropes or uh, you know, go through some kind of uh, uh obstacle course on blacktop or sand, which is what they envision, right, when they're being told that they have to improve on something.
4: Absolutely. They seem to imagine the worst. But. Yeah. We turn that around, and that's what your your coaching does, especially when you're doing really good coaching.
3: Well, we try, don't we? We try. But I think this, this tool um, highlights a lot of the good things about what people do as well. And I think the fact that it has what are called composites, of very meaningful behaviors um, small things that people can take in and digest in bite sizes that make big improvements that makes that possible and uh, I'd love you to talk a little bit about uh, kind of being a working CEO who has to do that real-time all the time and teach others to do it as well
4: we, we try and encourage a lot of interpersonal interactions we have bagel breakfasts for everybody during the week we deal with stress management issues We have this great big, huge relaxation chair here in the office that if anyone's stressed out, they can go take a massage. They give a few dollars to uh, the United Way, but they can go take a massage for 10 minutes or so if they need to any time in the day. So we build a lot of these things into the organization so people can see that we really do care about them. And it really leads to engagement. You really want an engaged workplace, and that's what we strive to get.
2: Well, that's so important. I know, you know, Kathy and I, and some of yourself, you know, that's what we're trying to bring to, to other organizations, have them be more more engaged and more productive. I read recently there's probably, a uh, uh, you know, at least a 20%, you know, gap on how productive people can be, and I think all these EI aspects can, can help them. So, in thinking about this, uh, we asked this to, this is a test for you, Steve, because we asked this to uh, Reuven, is there... A one best predictor of uh, EQ, and, the, and you and I trained in um, IQ tests. The best predictor for IQ is vocabulary. So, if you had to pick out one, one is there? In some of the research on the EQ, is there one that stands out as the best predictor for overall EQ?
4: That's a great question and I tried to sort of sneak a peek at all the research to try and dig that out before I spoke to you but I didn't get to that <laughs> that segment Uh-oh. so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to guess a bit on that and you know my guess would be that it would be something like empathy that would be a, a best predictor of overall
2: okay you know. <laughs> And I don't know, if it would be interesting to know is there a conclusion. I remember Kathy when we asked Reuven this and I'm not sure this is proven out, but he immediately jumped on and said, Oh yes, optimism. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and maybe it goes back to now you have the kind of summary score of well being, which would kinda of go along with that. Yeah, and I agree, optimism is, is really
4: way up there. It seems to be highly correlated with, with many of these uh many of the other factors that we have.
3: Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I find truly exciting about using the EQI 2.0 is uh, the ease with which you can give someone their information in a very, I want to say, palatable and easy to read format. And when we come back from the break, Steve, I'd like to talk about how you got to that point because so many other tools that are out there on, you know, in the marketplace are so tough and hard on people. So. Don't go away. Tune in to tune up your performance right here on Leadership Development News. We'll be right back.
1: The Business Community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
0: practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: Development News. We're talking with Dr. Steve Stein. He's the CEO of MHS.com. You can reach him at uh, CEO at MHS.com, Mental Health Systems, and they are uh, a provider of all kinds of psychological assessments, of which one that we're zeroing in on is the EQI, Emotional Quotient Inventory 2.0. And just at the, before the break, Kathy asked just about the ease of interpretation of the EQI and kind of how you, from 1.0 to 2.0, um, you know, how you upgraded, what were some of the things that allowed you to do that?
4: Well, one of the things we did, I mean, we've had a lot of experience in this area. I mean, EQI's been out, uh, been out there for about 15 years or so. And what we've learned is people really wanted uh, easier ways to interpret. we actually surveyed over 700 consultants and professionals before yeah. we started developing. I was, I was one of those. You were one of those, so you know what it was about. Right. And we had detailed questions and went through you know, all kinds of, of stuff with these people, uh, many experts like yourself in the field. And that led us into really changing the way that we present the information and really helping others present it in an easy-to-understand way.
3: Well, not only that, I just want to comment for those who are listening before we jump into another subject that it takes very little time to do the inventory, uh, 10 to 15 minutes online, and the feedback is almost instantaneous depending upon the coach who's doing the assessment for you, and it's so easy to read and digest. I cannot applaud you enough, <clears throat> pardon me, applaud you enough for making that possible. Thank well,
2: thanks. So, Steve, I wanted to ask you about one of your books, and I'm, I'm looking at my uh, bookshelf now, and I have the EQ Edge, but it's the one about working with organizations and being able to enhance the emotional intelligence every day. What's the title of that one?
4: Yeah, Make Your Workplace Great: uh, like Seven Keys to an Emotionally Intelligent Organization. Okay. So- so that book is based on an organizational tool we developed called the Benchmark of Organizational Emotional Intelligence. And what we did is we tested a lot of uh, a number of organizations, trying to differentiate what made some organizations function really well and others that were kind of dysfunctional. And could we separate? We find some of these areas that separate it. And in a nutshell, it, it comes down to three basic things. Uh, one is the work itself and really the right fit, I guess what Jim Collins talks about, putting the right person on the bus. Mm -hmm. So getting someone who really loves what they do, like putting them in the right job. The second one is the people. You know, when you go to work in the morning, you want to wake up and, uh, and go to somewhere and really enjoy the place where you go, really look forward to it. I was actually on the weekend, I was just talking to someone, and he was telling me how much he looked forward to Monday because he was going to go to work and see all his friends and on and on. So if you have that kind of excitement about getting to work cuz you love the people you work with and you get along well that's the second one. And the third area we found that differentiated the really high functioning organizations was purpose. Where people really believe that what they're doing is for the greater good. We're not just making widgets, you know, we're not just making, you know, trying to make bonus money every hour for what we produce. We're actually producing something that helps people. We're producing better housing, we're producing, you know, Clothes that keep people warm and make them feel better. You know, whatever. If you can find out what the purpose is and really present that to your people in the right way, you're going to get a lot more engagement.
2: Well, and that's and that's uh, so true. And that goes back to the vision. And like you talked about, your that sounds like a strong vision for MHS uh, is that purpose. And also similar to what we had talked about. You know, with Steve Jobs as a profile of. Uh, EQ, you know, both high and low, but when the driving force, you know, on the high side was really a sense of vision and making people get stretched. Maybe you could talk, uh, you know, on our last pieces, just any other kind of leaders who may emphasize or um, shine well in some of the EI competencies from the EQI? Yeah, there's, there's so many examples,
4: people who shine well and people who shine not so well. Uh, so a lot of people look at people like leaders like Bill Gates, for example, and uh, some of these, these people in the high-tech world are not the best on the interpersonal relationship side. Right. But what is it that, that someone like that brings to the table? Well, he's very enthusiastic. He's very motivating to his people. Whenever you hear him talk about uh, technology, he's enthusiastic, excited, and, and gets people going uh, with it. And, and Jobs had some of that as well, his ability to excite others. Um, Another one that I like to point out is uh, Jeffrey Swartz. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with him from Timberland. And, hmm. and he has, you know, in our, uh, looking at leadership, you know, I look at yesterday's leaders, today's leaders, and tomorrow's leaders. So yesterday was Henry Ford, and it was all about, you know, uh, sticking to your gun, doing the right thing, you know, not changing the color of that car uh, because I believe it should be black. Um, but then it changed. You come to Bill Gates, who's today's leader, who's very adaptable. And when he, you know, when he neglected the Internet for as long as he did and suddenly realized that, boy, that was the wrong move, he turned a $2 billion company around on a dime to take advantage of the Internet. So he was adaptable, which is sort of a key characteristic. For tomorrow's leaders, I see people like Jeffrey Swartz, people like social responsibility, I think is going to be one of the hallmarks of tomorrow's leaders that we're heading into the ability to care not only about the people around you and your organization, but to care about the community at large mm. society and work towards that.
3: And that's really a key factor today. I know whenever I'm working with large organizations, uh, they always talk about the triple bottom line profit, you know, um, and that is people, the planet, and profits generally are going to be there because you're doing the right things the right way. And that's
4: why, and the other great thing to say about EQI is that we're probably one of the only instruments that includes social responsibility as a measure in there. Uh-huh. And we also have data. I recently published a study on CEOs where we tested 186 uh, CEOs and we got to look at their profitability. And we were actually able to tie their performance, their EQI scores, to their performance, their profitability as a company. And guess what? EQ separated. These leaders, and it was things like um, empathy, social responsibility, that differentiated the highly successful CEOs from those that weren't doing quite so well.
3: And what's great news about that, Steve, to those who are listening, is, because uh, I have a similar situation going on at a company I'm working with, if we can give them the feedback and the simple coaching with some real prescriptive things that they can do quickly and easily, with great practice and diligence... They can change that, and it's a very quick change, and that's why you can see that profitability increase with performance and empathy and social responsibility.
4: Absolutely. You're right there on the front lines doing this work, which is great. I mean, we look at it as researchers and kind of tell you what's going on, but I'm so glad there's people like you out there who are able to go into these organizations and not only deliver the message but make the change that they need to do better.
2: Uh, that's, that's almost similar. Uh, a couple months ago we interviewed Daniel Goldman, and he, one of the best compliments that I got on I'm Kathy I'm sure you're too, he's gone, wow, you guys really do this every day. I just write about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
3: well, there are a lot of practitioners out there who talk about what they do, uh, but they're not necessarily doing what they do. And to, to Dr. Steve Stein's point here, you know, a lot of what we talk about is research-based. However, we know from our own experience that when you apply these things with the appropriate training, right, like certification in tools like the EQI 2.0, you really
2: do get, the best results possible. And Kathy, like we normally say, it's the training and the coaching where you can kind of then hone it down for what works for one person may not work for another. Right. You know, hey, Steve, I'm also interested in just the study that you just you stated. Is this written someplace where we can... Yeah, it's published
4: in the Journal of, uh, I think it's Organizational Leadership. We can attach the reference to it if you want. It's in my book, The EQ Edge. We talk about it.
2: Oh, okay. But
4: it's a published Published study in a peer-reviewed article. It's one of the few studies out there that looks at either personality or emotional intelligence and ties it directly to performance.
3: And uh, Steve, would you just give us that again? Journal of Organizational Leadership.
4: Uh, I think it's. I'm gonna look that up. Journal of Organizational um, Leadership. I think. Just gonna. Fortunately, I didn't know I was going to cite that. So oh, that's
3: I okay. I just know that there are going to be people who are going to rush off to try to find that. And you said it's in the EQ Edge,
4: so they can. It's also... in the EQ Edge, and I'm just looking for the exact.
3: Okay, that's okay. If, uh, Riley, how do we get to the EQ Edge? The EQ. It's Steve's it's
4: Steve's book. So it's my book. It's at Amazon. It's uh There you there go, go,
3: Amazon.com. You can buy the EQ edge and find out more about the study. And Steve, I think we've come to the end of our time together. Uh Relly, you as always have been a terrific uh co-host and steve thank you for the time you've spent with us and uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future to talk about uh, what we love the most which is uh, resilience and emotional intelligence i want to thank you and thank you audience for tuning in to tune up your performance with leadership development news catch you next time